What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. And spring practice is getting close. It's getting real close. We're under two weeks. Uh, it's it's March, finally. Uh, I don't know when it's going to dry up. We've, we've discussed it out on this podcast already. I don't know that we're going to be able to keep from floating away. And if we do do that, I'm not sure that we're going to be able to dodge the coronavirus and uh, keep this meteor from from hitting the earth that's supposed to hit the earth or something. That went viral here recently. All sorts of things going on. Georgia hires Scott Cochran. Uh, Georgia's got a new offense, new quarterback. I mean, 2020 is wild. And it started with a Matt Landers touchdown in the, in the, uh, in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, but, uh, but before we get started on our topics, and we're going to talk about spring, we're going to answer some mailbag questions, and, and we're going to talk about Rusty's foray onto the road uh, this week. But before we really get started, uh, I always start with Rusty Kip. I'm going to start with you, man. What, what you been up to? Trying to replan my summer vacation. That's what I've been doing all day. It's uh, Yeah, you got shouted out on Twitter. It's not so much shouted out as I shout I. I screamed on Twitter and got kind of a callback that uh, took me a couple hours to take care of. But it's a it's a tough time to be making travel plans right now. You know, it's kind of hectic right now in the world. We're all just trying to make sure our hands are washed and we're not we're not touching our faces too much right now. But uh, I was hoping to uh, you know see a new country this summer, and I'm, I'm trying to replan that right now. But yeah, it's been been pretty hectic trying to get that squared away, and but you know it's a it's a great problem to have, obviously, and uh, not 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 too big of a headache, but uh, kind of crazy, you know, not something that heading into 2020 we really thought we'd be kind of reading about in the headlines. It's kind of taken over right now, and kind of checking the headlines every day to make sure that you know everyone's just uh, taking care of themselves. I think the one thing that this might help is uh, everyone's hygiene this year in 2020 the new year new me we're all going to be a lot cleaner in, in how uh we take care of ourselves on a day-to-day basis so uh you know there, there, there's a good thing to come from that and, and uh i've definitely been making sure that my boys and i are, are keeping on the up and up and making sure that you know we're clean every day but uh just you know like you guys i'm i'm just ready for it to stop raining so that i can get out and see what what the world looks like in this uh you know this new coronavirus era Scary times. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I get less scared of it by the day. Rusty, what's going on with you? Same, man. Um, tired of it. I actually drove home tonight. I was on the road yesterday and today. It was coming up 75 around, say, 6 o'clock. And all of a sudden, the sun came out. And it's like the little things you you take for granted most of the time here in the state of Georgia to see the, the sunshine was great because this has been this has been ridiculous i mean we're not going to talk about weather on here all night but i saw the average rainfall was like nine inches in atlanta for the month of february ever it's always nine inches we had right at 2021 20, for the month it's insane and just i'm ready for this to be over and uh let's get some sunshine some spring weather let's get some spring practice going some track season um, able to see these kids get out and compete. I watched North Gwinnett. We'll talk about it later, but I watched North Gwinnett work out today. And I mean, you know, you're talking about 60 kids having to do dot drills and just little things they could inside because they couldn't even go outside. It was so wet. So I'm ready to get past this, man. I'm with you on that, man. I, I had family in town over the weekend and Sunday uh, went went out and 
smack the golf ball around a little bit and uh there's a par five at the local golf course that i've always i've i've been never i've played this thing for five six years i've never got home into get out there smash a three woods headed right where i want it to go i'm like man i'm gonna be on the green and i get up there uh and uh it was about 240 yards away and i i, I just oh. knew i had it and boom there's about a centimeter of the ball sticking out of the ground that thing's plugged in the ground about six feet short of the green so no home in two for me. Muddy ball, bad stuff. Uh, I think I almost ruined a pair of golf shoes. It was a it was a rough day at the course, but uh, you know, yeah, maybe it's it's definitely gonna dry up. It's gonna dry had, up and get hot and dry up. That had to be cart path only. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah, man. I think I drove it out there a couple times whenever I had to, just to kind of keep going a little faster. But yeah, it, it was it was definitely cart path only and. Uh, but I was just glad to get out a little bit and shake the rust off. I hadn't played since August, so it was uh, it was a lot of fun. But let's jump into the spring uh, spring drills stuff. And and you know Georgia begins March seventeenth, G Day April eighteenth. I did confirm with a UGA official uh, that that Pro Day is expected to be March the eighteenth. It's usually the day after spring drills begin. It's expected to be Wednesday, March eighteenth. So that's when Georgia's Pro Day is, and it's going to be a big one. There's going to be a lot of guys working out that day. We'll have the stopwatches and doing the best we can with what little bit we get to see there at the indoor practice facility, the House of Pain, as they call it. But, guys, something just it kind of struck me. We hadn't had a chance to talk about spring a whole lot yet because a lot's been going on. I mean, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, uh, Todd, uh, sorry, uh, Scott Cochran being hired. Uh, but – I thought now might be the best time for us to kind of talk about one of the things of, about spring practice that that really intrigues us, and and I, I'm sure a lot of there's going to be a lot of crossover here, and and maybe we can go process of elimination as we each go, and and I'll go last. But I'll start with you, Rusty. What's the one thing this spring that that has piqued your interest the most? Uh, probably opposite of what everybody would think. There's so many questions on offense. Who's going to play the tackles? What wide receivers are going to step up? Obviously, quarterback's a big deal and tight end. I want to see in the in the small sample we will get how good this this Georgia defense can be. And usually, defensive win springs because they're that much further ahead. But I think this defense can be extremely special. For Georgia, I want to see if Jermaine Johnson takes the next step. I want to see if Lewis Seen takes the next step. And I want to see if Nolan Smith takes the next step. Because Aziz Ojolari, this time last year, from he took a huge step into this past season. Can two, those other two guys help him do that? And can Lewis Seen be that guy that we all kind of think he is? Uh, we've seen a small sample out of him. I think it said a lot for Georgia to put him in the LSU game and say, listen, we're going to play seven defensive backs you can cover. Let's see what he can do in a week-to-week, uh, three- or four-week spring practice and see what he looks like in a spring game after playing some, breaking the lineup some. I think he can be a special player. I want to see if this Georgia defense just smothers them this spring. I know they're going to be vanilla in some things, but I'm telling you, just just really looking at Georgia across the board, size, speed, and a lot of experience on that side of the ball. Rusty, uh, one thing, and I, I'm going to be writing about this pretty soon, maybe as soon as as Friday. 
But the the number of year two players on this defense, like year two players that that they're going to be relying on, is 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 kind of crazy. Because you mentioned Nolan Smith, you mentioned Lewis Seen, you mentioned uh, Jermaine Johnson. You've also got DJ Daniel. You got Nicobe Dean. You've got Tyreek Stevenson. I mean, there are. I mean, that's. I think that's seven, seven years, seven guys who who were in their first year on the defense last year played a lot of snaps, had a big impact. And I know I'm missing some guys. Obviously, there are a lot of uh, defensive tackles sure. that that kind of fit into that. Trayvon Walker's another one, so that's eight. Uh, but the number of guys that year one to year two biggest leap. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. You brought up. Uh, you brought up Aziz Ojolari. Eric Stokes made a massive leap from year one to year two. Tyson Campbell, despite the injury, also got a lot better from year one to year two. I mean, you just go on and on and on. I mean, year two guys in this defense, the number that, of guys that they're going to be relying upon and, and, and not really relying on just them, they're going to be surrounded by some young guys and a lot of veterans. I mean, that's it's, it's pretty nuts how when you think about it that defense how much it's gonna uh depend on on how many of those guys make those leaps and typically that just kind of comes naturally right sure i mean it's i mean anybody that's played any level of high school i would say past or any level of football past like eighth grade you realize how much better you got every year these athletes are not topped out i mean these kids still have a lot of ceiling left and they're gonna get better you know, I was listening to the NFL Combine this weekend. They're talking about the LSU wide receivers, and they're talking about Ohio State DBs, and they're like, you know, once these guys really learn to play, and I'm thinking, these dudes can play. But maybe that, you know, there's more mental game to it, uh, you know, even on that level. But when you look at Georgia, I'm just telling you, man, they are so big. I know, And, and Jake, I'm excited to read that part you're going to write about because I just really was driving today in the rain, and you start going through your head about numbers and size. And listen, I've made no bones about it. They're about to add another defensive lineman by the name of Jalen Carter, who is elite, an elite player who is ready to play college football right now. Put him in the mix with this group. I don't know where Kelly Ringo is going to fit in right now because they are absolutely loaded at some spots. He's definitely a guy that can get in there. But think about it, Jake. You cover the team day to day. And when Kirby Smart got this team, the very first press conference, he said, We got to get bigger and we got to get faster. And he basically said, He looked at that self scouting report when they played Georgia in 2015 here in the rain, the bodies he saw, that type of thing. You look at Georgia now, and, and especially on defense, man, they can absolutely run. And those guys will get after you. Kobe Dean, Monty Rice, I mean, there's a lot of experience there. I'm very, very excited to see what this group can become during spring practice heading into the fall because they've got a lot of second-year players, like you said. You know, and a lot of what we do as a website is analytics-based. I mean, we pay attention to to everything, how, how well things do, how well the engagement is for certain stories, uh, you know, how, how much reach does it have, uh, how many people read it, and – I, I kind of got an inkling as to how, uh, or I guess a, a look at how important the defense is to to the casual Georgia fan. Yesterday, whenever I wrote about the in, about the linebacker room, outside and inside included, and man, I'm telling you that that thing took off, and that kind of let me know it, just based on the amount of people who read that thing 
that folks are really fired up about this Georgia defense. They're really fired up to see how good it can be, and and I think they're starting to kind of get the idea that that if Todd Munkin comes in and does what he's hired to do, and Jamie Newman comes in what he was brought in to do, that that de- that, that defense is going to have more help in terms of points on the board, and it'll it'll have some teams chasing some points a little bit more than it did last year. Uh, Kip, what, what is what is the thing that's kind of uh, that's kind of got your attention and and piqued your interest going into the spring? I mean, obviously, you bring up huge storylines with, with Todd Monken and Jamie Newman. A lot, you know, everyone's eyes are going to be on those guys. But for me, when I'm looking at this team and what direction Georgia goes in this year and how far they can go, I'm looking at Matt Luke and, and this offensive line. I mean, it's going to be almost a completely new offensive line. You're going to be bringing back up. You know, Trey Hill at center after starting 14 games a year ago, even Trey Hill himself, that's a storyline. I want to see his progression into year two starting at center. He started out, you know, a little up and down last year, had some high snaps, issues with that, started to really kind of figure it out over, you know, the last three, four games of the year. He's coming back to anchor an offensive line that, for the most part, is going to be all new faces you know, if Ben Cleveland's able to take care of business uh, academically in the spring, you could probably plug him in at right guard. He's got 16 starts, I believe, that you know, over the last couple of years. So other than that, you, you're bringing a lot of new faces in on this offensive line. It was a group that last year under Sam Pittman got all the headlines heading into the season, the Great Wall of Georgia, in some aspects – they lived up to it. You know, as far as pass blocking goes, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better group of guys, you know, with Andrew Thomas, Isaiah Wilson, and Solomon Kinley in there as well. But as far as the run game went last year, it was very uneven. The holes were just not there from what they were the previous, you know, year or two. And, and you, you take it another step with that, you're bringing in some young guys at running back too. You've had 1,000-yard rushers, you know, the last three years with Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, Elijah Holyfield, DeAndre Swift. None of those guys are coming back this year. This offensive line with new faces at running back or, or more, you know, inexperienced ones with Zamir White, with James Cook. Uh, you know, James Cook's got a lot of games under his belt, but not really that bell cow yet. And and then you bring in, you know, younger running backs as, as well with Dijon Edwards, and the rest of the crew with Kendall Milton already in town, it's still this offensive line could make or break this offense. So you have a new offensive line coach bringing in, you know, potentially his own philosophy, trying to instill what he wants this offensive line to look for. And then, you know, new faces. Is Jamari Sawyer going to be the starter at right tackle? A guy that we thought would be an interior offensive lineman. You know, he's been asked to play outside. He's done well there. You know, is is Warren Erickson gonna gonna move in and make a move at potentially right guard or left guard? It, it's gonna be, you know, interesting to watch. Justin Schaefer as well. You got some guys at guard at offensive tackle. I mean, who's gonna be the left tackle? You know, are they gonna ask Sawyer to be left left tackle? If they ask Jamari Sawyer to be the left tackle, who does that mean? You know, who's gonna be the right tackle? Are you gonna have you know Warren McClendon, Xavier Trust in there? Is you're going to have a true freshman again starting there? Maybe Tate Ratledge, you know, one of these offensive tackles from this offensive line group. I don't know if Broderick Jones will be ready right away. Five-star talent. He's kind of still raw and moving along there. So I, I think that that's really something. I don't know if we're going to have those questions answered in the spring, 
but I still can't wait to see what this group looks like. I, you know, I would imagine that that Coach Luke is going to have a lot of lineups. Probably every time you go out there, Jake, you're probably going to see five new guys out there with, running with the ones. He's going to try as many lineups as he can to try to figure out who the best five are. And I just think that's going to say a lot about how this season goes. If they're able to control that line of scrimmage, you have a more mobile quarterback, obviously, in Jamie Newman. What's you know his pass protection going to look like? Designed runs with him, potentially. Him trying to extend the play. That brings a whole new, you know, part of the game as far as trying to maintain that block. You know, if if he goes out of the pocket, if you have a lot more out of the pocket plays, completely different thing you're asking this offensive line to do than what they've done in the past. Maybe it's a good thing you have new faces in here and young guys. They'll be learning what, you know, a, a completely new uh, you know, scheme basically so uh that really is what i'm looking to see because i know that with jamie newman uh, with todd monken you're going to be bringing some new things to the table there that are very intriguing but i just think that this offense is going to tell the tale on how far georgia gets and it really could be the guys up front that kind of dictate if georgia can make a push for the sc championship and get back to the college football playoff I think you're spot on with that. I know that a lot of the attention is going to be on Monk and is going to be on Jamie Newman, but but this offensive line is going to be the the motor. It's the it's going to be the backbone of this whole thing. And and if Georgia doesn't get very good offensive line play, that it's gonna it's gonna be a struggle for this offense. I really believe that. And Kip, you brought up a good point about seeing the different lineups. I'm wondering if by the end of this spring we're not missing Sam Pittman a little bit because one thing that Pittman did for four years at Georgia is it was straightforward what we were going to see on 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 Saturday every single practice. He when when he lined them up with the ones, it was left tackle to right tackle. You know, 99.9% of the time, barring injury, it was the starting offensive line. I wonder if Matt Luke and that little head coach in him. The, the, the experience he's gotten there is is going to play with us a little bit and, and maybe make it a little tougher to figure out what's going on. Maybe, maybe just because of the drills he's doing. It may be more of a one-on-one thing instead of having all five of them go at the same time. But uh, but uh, but I'm kind of interested to see how that works out. It seemed like he was doing it in the Sugar Bowl, but that could have been just kind of picking up off of a, of a previous practice script. But, but uh, I'm very interested in that. Uh, I'm going to talk Todd Munkin and, and Jamie Newman and that marriage there, but I, I'm not going to do it. Obviously, everybody's interested in it. Is Georgia's offense going to get better? Is Georgia's offense going to be more explosive? And how is Georgia going to deal with a, with a mobile quarterback? And I've noted this multiple times that Todd Munkin is just, you know, the, to this point in his career, is not somebody that is known for working with mobile quarterbacks. Not saying he's not going to do a good job with Jamie Newman. Offensive minds are offensive minds. But what I'm interested to see is if anything actually looks different because it, everything could be different and we we don't see it because I just think everything's going to be vanilla. And I think it's going to be vanilla on purpose, just knowing and covering Kirby Smart the, the time that I've covered him as a head coach. I, I honestly believe the instruction from the top is going to be – and obviously we're not going to get a really chance to see it until G-Day – but I think when G-Day rolls around, it's going to be an air raid show, and they're going to throw it around. But I think it's going to be the most basic stuff they can probably throw out there. They're not going to want to give any team any sort of film to study up on and, and to pick up on. They're going to hide as much as they possibly can. I don't buy into this whole, 
you know, you play an SEC team in week two or three of the season and you're still holding back the offense. I don't buy into that. But I do buy that you do it for spring games. I, I've, I've talked to assistant coaches that have talked about how they don't put it out there during the spring and stuff like that. So I, I honestly don't expect there to, you know, for things to look a ton different. And I'm interested to see the fallout from that because you, I do believe there's going to be some reason on one side where folks are going to say, well, it's spring. What did you expect? But I also think there are going to be some on the other side that are going to be like, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed, and and I just don't think that that's going to be accurate. I think a lot's going to change. I don't think that that Georgia's going to reinvent the wheel or anything offensively and just all of a sudden go to an air raid or anything like that. I still think they're going to have a, a strong emphasis on running the football. I don't think that's going to go away. But but I do expect a lot to change in terms of the passing game, the passing concepts, the motions, the splits of the wide receivers, and and things of that nature. But but uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see what – changes we get to see this spring and 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 the reaction to it because I, I do think that everything could change and it and and it honestly looked like almost nothing has changed and uh and and like i said uh, the the reaction to that is going to be just as interesting as anything let's jump into a break real quick on the other side we're going to hit some mailbag questions and we're going to talk about what rusty has seen on the road past couple days the baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, mailbag. We got a whole thread of these bad boys. Let's try to get through a few of them and uh, and see if we can kind of uh, get get some uh, uh, get some answers to some of these. Rusty, I'm gonna throw the first one to you, man. And it comes from our man Amp17. Amp oh, listens yeah. to the podcast. Amp, Amp may as have as much uh, as much uh, bearing on us actually starting a podcast as any poster yeah. could. Uh, will the 1,000 yard back streak at Georgia continue this year? Or does it end in 2020? I mean, I, I I certainly think it will. I mean, you look at the amount of games that Georgia plays. Um, you know, you play 13, 14 games, and it's a lot different. And say, you know, when when Herschel and Garrison Hurst and all those guys, there's there's those two about two extra games now uh, that always helps. To be honest, but as far as and Georgia splitting carries too, it's not like they're riding one horse as they had back in some of those days, but. Um, I, I certainly think Zamir White um, can be that guy, can, can get that 1,000 yards. Uh, you grind out 70, 80, 90 yards a game with an occasional 110, 120, uh, you're going to get there. So I certainly – Amp has asked that question a couple times in my chats, and I certainly stand by that. I think that that, that, that continues with a 1,000-yard rusher, and I think Zamir White definitely is that guy. Uh, I'm going to take the next one, and it's and I'm going to take it because I, I talked to somebody a couple days ago on this, and it was nothing earth shattering, but but I, I have an answer to this question. It's an update on Dominic uh, Dominic Blaylock and the progression 
of his recovery. Um, I spoke to somebody a couple, two or three days ago. Everything's going great. I mean, everything is going fantastic. As you would expect, he's kind of tackled this uh, th- this recovery process head on. Very mature kid. And uh, he's somebody that that is there every second he's supposed to be there and extra. And everything's going really, really well for him. And, and I do expect uh, – I'm, I'm going to be pretty surprised if he's not available to play in game one. They might try to play it slow with him and, and take their time with him. But ultimately, I think he's probably going to be available for game one if, if needed. And, uh, you know, like I said, it could be a couple, two or three weeks and maybe Alabama – uh, but before he before they decided to kind of tuck cut him loose and, and and give him some game action, uh, it may kind of uh, delay delay him just a little bit. But but I think he makes that trip to Tuscaloosa as long as there are no setbacks between now and then. And and from what I said, from what I've heard, uh, he he's doing pretty well thus far in his recovery, and and, and there haven't been any hitches. Uh, Kip, gonna throw one to you as far as recruiting goes, and and this may be tough because. We're still so stinking early, guys, in, in in this recruiting cycle. I mean, we are incredibly early, but it's concerning the offensive line and and kind of how the in-state prospects in the state of Georgia stack up to to maybe your Isaiah Wins and your uh, sorry, well Isaiah Wins, you can throw him in there too as a first-round pick, Andrew Thomas and, and Isaiah Wilson. Where do you see Amarius Mims and and company kind of stacking up with those guys? You know, I think it's tough to really kind of put a an Andrew Thomas comparison on anyone, a guy that's, you know, Rusty might be sweating a little bit because this offensive line group for this NFL draft is deep. But I, I think he's still got a chance to be a top 10 pick. I don't think he goes really past 11, probably. 10, 11 is probably where Andrew Thomas might go. So it's, it's really tough to kind of peg anyone as being on that trajectory. But if there's anyone in Georgia that has a chance, it's, it's a Marius Mims. I mean, just because of the frame he has, you know, being a legit six seven, six seven and a half, three hundred and fifteen pounds, uh, a guy that just has an elite combination of size and length. I mean, his wingspan is going to. It might not, you know, it might not break Andrew Thomas's record as far as what he had back in the All American Bowl measurement, you know, check in day, but it's still. I mean, it's as good as you can look for. For an offensive tackle, doesn't have a lot of bad weight. He's athletic. You could see film of him playing defensive end. You know, it's six, seven, three hundred pounds. He moves really well. Gets to the second level a lot. I mean, he's an elite guy. He's a guy that, in the end, you could see earning that five-star status potentially at twenty-four-seven Sports and being in that, you know, that top twenty range when all is said and done. Well, I mean, what really stands out to me about this Georgia offensive line class in the state of Georgia is just how deep it is. I mean, you got Micah Morris, a guy that could, you know, really be a a, a top 50 player when all is said and done. You know, he's got, uh, you know, outstanding size. He has that mentality you really want in an offensive lineman. You know, he's 6'4", 315 pounds. He might not, you know, be a 6'7 guy, but he's a guy that can play anywhere on the offensive line. And and just like him, Terrence Ferguson, you know, uh, at Peach County, a guy that could really be an elite guard at the next level, but can definitely play offensive tackle if you need him to. You know, Michael Morris being at Camden County, Terrence being at Peach County, these guys that are playing, you know, for outstanding programs 
and and they're going to play some big time teams and, and ha- put out some outstanding film for us to evaluate. And the guy that just got a, a, a Georgia offer, Dil- Dylan Fairchild, a guy that I know that Rusty's really high on. Uh, you know, he could play guard or center, and, and really, you know, outstanding strength at six five, two hundred ninety pounds. He's a guy that already has you know outstanding punch and, and a guy that I, I imagine that would fit perfectly in Matt Luke's system. There's you know, it doesn't make me flinch at all knowing that he offered him even with the other offers out there because I know he's a guy whose stock is on the rise in Georgia. So you know, I love the depth in, in this class. You know, is a guy going to be like that Isaiah Wilson? Uh, that second guy along with Andrew Thomas. I mean, I think one of these guys really could emerge as a guy that could be an all-SEC type player down the road, a top 100 player. It's just an outstanding year for Matt Luke to to take on the job, the mantle at Georgia, and have a need at the offensive line position. I think he's going to try to load up. And and when you have the chance to to stay in state, not saying he's getting all these guys, these are some battles. He's some big-time players, but when you know you have some guys in state, you don't have to go far, you don't need to go far, uh, you know, it's got to be exciting because you're going to be able to get these guys on campus probably more than some of the other guys that, you know, Georgia's had to recruit. I mean, getting Isaiah Wilson on campus, Sam Pippen from Brooklyn, you know, that that was no small feat. You know, he got him into camp, you know, got him into visit again, official visit you really got a battle to get those guys on campus when they're that far away. A testament to Sam Pittman's ability as a recruiter. I think, you know, when Georgia landed Isaiah Wilson, that was kind of just that eye opener that, okay, you know, uh, Sam, Sam is that guy as a recruiter beating out the Michigans, the Alabamas, the Penn States to get Isaiah Wilson. Uh, Matt Luke's got big shoes to fill, did a great job keeping that 2020 class and, you know, those guys in the fold with Cedric Van Pran, with, with Broderick Jones, and he's got, you know, a huge opportunity to reel in some in-state guys, kind of bring this 2021 class back in-state, more you know, instead of nationally, and really kind of just reload this offensive line group and, and bring in some, some outstanding players. So, you know, Andrew Thomas' label was really tough. I think Amarius Mims could be that guy. I really like where Georgia is with him right now. Uh, and and the whole class as a whole, I think, has a chance to be really special, which seemingly is what we've been saying every year for Georgia. I think the offensive line recruiting is the one thing under this Kirby Smart coaching staff that has kind of just taken a huge step forward. And, and you see that in the depth they have on the offensive line and just the level of play. That's what's put them in the – you know, in the in the opportunity to, to play for championships. I uh, want to get to one more question here, and it's one that I, I found pretty interesting. I'm going to hit it pretty quick. If you guys want to chime in and throw anything at it, feel free. Uh, uh, Cosmic Debris on the on the Dogs 24-7 Junkyard, how recruiting responsibilities are divided between the various parties, position coach, area recruiter, head coach, player personnel, all that stuff. I'm, I'm going to take a crack at this, and, and uh, there's no way I'm going to hit all the points because there's so many different ways this thing could go. But on your typical recruit, all right, this is how it works. The area recruiter is the guy who kind of makes first contact. He gets the recruitment ball rolling, all right? The position coach, the area recruiter, the head coach, maybe the, the coordinator on that side of the ball, a, a bunch of different heads come together to figure out if they want to offer the kid. 
All right, so the area that's where the offer comes in. It, that's kind of a joint decision, and, and a head coach typically has very much say in what happens there or not. I've, I've heard of coaches vetoing the ability to offer kid, all that stuff. Now, the area recruiter remains in contact with the kid. So does the position coach. Now, there are some instances like Georgia on the offensive line where Sam, Sam Pittman basically spearheaded every recruitment of every Georgia offensive lineman while he was there. And, and there may have been a, you know, then that's when the area recruiter kind of takes a, a back seat. And by the way, we're not, I, I don't know who has what area down to a T right now. Rusty may know that. We, we, there are some new coaches, so we may not have that all down. All right. So then you have guys like the player personnel. I mean, obviously, we talked about the head coach. He's involved with every single prospect. He's shaking hand with every family member, every kid, every time they come on a visit. The, the director of player personnel is doing the exact same thing, basically. I mean, there, there are very few guys that come on campus that don't meet the director of player personnel. So he's also a very big part of it. And, and I believe that's a job that's still open at Georgia right now for Marshall Malkow left for, uh, left for uh, Texas A&M. And then, obviously, you got your campus recruiting team. They can only recruit on campus. And, and, and they basically coordinate visits and activities, and, and they make sure everybody gets the appropriate amount of attention, attention and all of that kind of goes into it. Did I miss anything, guys? Matt, uh, well, considering these kids get recruited for four years now, I think it's the biggest thing. But, no, I will say this. Uh, I talk because I'm from the Rome area. Sam Pittman had that area. Uh, Jim Chaney had that area at one time for Georgia. Matt Luke obviously came in up here a little bit with Tate Ratledge at the end. He was only here for a little while. I checked with two high school coaches this week, and both high school coaches in this area told me that Scott Cochran will have this area for Georgia, which I thought was interesting. Uh, it's, it's interesting because it's just he's on the road. I mean, this guy, we're starting to learn more uh, about what his role is going to be, but Northwest Georgia is going to be a part of his territory uh, moving forward. Definitely an interesting note there. Rusty, been on the road for the last couple of days. Give us a rundown before we cut these folks loose. Uh, as we're taping this, I'll say that, uh, you know, we don't know an outcome, but Jefferson is playing the state championship in basketball against Pace Academy. Pace Academy loaded with Division One kids. Jefferson's a bunch of football players and a couple of guys that can just hoop a little bit. Jefferson is up on them. One of those players is sophomore Malachi Starks. Who is a six foot two hundred and ninety five pound corner? He uh, was at Georgia on Sunday. He was back again last night. He is a twenty twenty two athlete. Told me today, Georgia is recruiting him as a corner. Uh, he was six two one ninety six. He is put together. He starts on the basketball team. Caden Bailey is a sophomore outside linebacker. That is the son of Boss Bailey, nephew of Champ Bailey. He also plays basketball. He does not start yet, but he does play on that team. He plays outside linebacker. He was at Georgia last night. I don't know if you guys saw it. It was kind of all over social media. There was a picture of him and Kirby Smart sitting together at the basketball game for a little while. So, uh, Boss Bailey uh, has got a younger son, uh, and he uh, and he is at Jefferson. Had a chance to go to North Gwinnett this afternoon, one of my last stops. I watched Barrett Carter and Jordan Hancock work out. Two very impressive young men. Uh, I will say this about them. Leaving there, I feel like Georgia may have a little bit of a lead for Barrett Carter. He is in no way, shape, or form ready to make a decision at any time. I think 
Clemson, Auburn, Alabama are the teams also involved. Uh, I know he's been to Auburn multiple times. By no means am I ready to put a crystal ball in to say Georgia on Barrett Carter. I just kind of think Georgia's in a good spot going into the spring. Jordan Hancock is a major, major target of Georgia. Major target. And I can see why looking at him today, I talked to Coach Bill Stewart there, who's one of the most respected high school coaches in Georgia. Love, love spending time with him. I've had some very honest conversations over the years with Bill Stewart, and he has always been straight with me about his players, which I have valued. I respect him. Getting to that, he could not speak higher about these two kids. Uh, their, their quality of play, how fast they are, what type of leaders they are. Now, getting to that, if you ask me where I think Jordan Hancock's going to end up right now, I think Clemson. And he's going to Clemson this weekend, and you better watch that visit because they are definitely trying to end this thing. So if he gets out of there uncommitted, I think Georgia's got a really good shot. But I'm telling you right now, they are trying to end this thing this weekend. He, he was very frank with me about that. So, uh, you know, one of the top players in the country, one of the top players on Georgia's board, uh, is going to take a visit to Clemson this weekend. And he was very adamant to me that they – and Barrett told me he was not personally near a decision – I asked Jordan if he was close to decision, and his quote was real close. So that, that that's something to watch as the weekend unfolds. Well, that's Rusty's road rundown. I, I can't say that very fast or, or too many times in a row. I'll never get it right. But that's all we've got for this one, folks, and, and we'll be back next week to talk more about spring ball, kind of get into more of the meat and potatoes of how everything's going to go down. Uh, but But for this episode – we're going to sign off. I'm Jake Rowe, Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell. It's been the Junkyard Dogcast. You guys take care.